welcome to the Building Design Primetime Podcast. Focused on providing valuable information for anyone looking to undertake a new build or extension project. We'll share our tips, tricks and stories from a building designer's perspective. Welcome to the Building Design Primetime podcast. Once again, we've got Frankie joining us. G'day, everyone. Yep. Today, we're talking about something a little bit different. Units. Units, that's right. So, all, all manners of units, or some people call them townhouses. Sometimes that's just marketing that real estate's put together. Um, but what we want to talk about is units. People want to do that for development you know, add value to their properties, their current properties, or if they already have an investment property, renting it out, they want to put another unit behind. Or, as we do with smaller developers, might look at putting two, three, four new units behind an existing or on a vacant lot. So we're going to touch on pretty well up to about three units and anything above that, that's, uh, we'll have another podcast for that because it gets a little bit more complicated. Yeah, so the process is slightly different once you have sort of more than three Oh, it can do, subject to the block. You know, there's a lot of variables in there. Um, And how you deal with uh, council traffic. Traffic's a big one now that we have to deal with. Getting traffic impact assessments, um, how certain councils view the direction of the traffic in and out, passing bays, length of driveways affect... You know, so quite a few of the municipalities in Tasmania have common rules, but they have their own levels of interpretation on some of those rules. But when we look at the small of developments, this is what we're talking about for your mums and dads and smaller developers. It's looking at like an existing house, putting a new unit behind a yeah, new house. And they're generally two bedrooms, sometimes they're three bedrooms subject to the space that's allowed. With When you look at unit developments, when you're getting two, three houses on a, an existing site, and it could be you know 1,200 square metres, got an existing house and you're trying to work around it, there's other challenges with that. I imagine access would be quite a large aspect of that when you're having sort of multiple dwellings um, on a block. How does that tie into it? It certainly does. It comes down to the traffic movements. So how many cars are going to go in and out? So in Tasmania, um, if you're just putting one house behind an existing house, you're going to have, they allow for two cars for each in broad terms. A lot of the councils are asking for a visitor park now. Some do, some don't. Majority do, I should say. So that makes it awkward. So then you've got to have five cars to move in and out, and then that dictates the width of your driver. Once you go over five, they ask to widen it. So a normal driveway, 3.3 to 3.5 wide for up to five cars. Once you go over five, you're going to 5.5 to 6 metre wide driveways. Wow. So, so, so you need a fair bit of space to be able to fit all of that. Yeah, exactly. And also, how does that driveway affect, let's just say there's a house in the front, yeah, you've got your existing weatherboard, brick house, three-bedroom, if the driver goes past the living room, you need to have a bit of space. And also you don't want headlights flashing into the 
living space for obvious reasons, so you have to take care of that. But it's actually worse when it's against bedrooms because of the noise and light, so then we have to make provisions. So a lot of the schemes also note keep the driveway metre, metre and a half away from bedrooms. I didn't realise that. That's um, a bit of a big one, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but there's means and ways of dealing with that. Um, it's also to see if the existing house is suitable because you've got to remember you're turning that house into a unit and there's minimum requirements for units, like they call it private open space, so it's the backyard. Previously, we used to have to put that on the northern side, gets a minimum of three hours sun in, in the middle of winter. Um, they've made a, an adjustment to that rule where you can actually put it, doesn't have to be on the northern side, you can put it on the southern side, but you still have to prove you get a reasonable amount of natural light in there during winter. So a private open space would be something like a courtyard? Yeah, a big courtyard or a uh, grassed area. It's um, 40 square metres, that is a requirement. And it's preferred that it comes straight off the living space. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, you want to come from your living space to go out into your outdoor space. Uh, also, the height of it. So if you look at the steepness of your blocks, so if you come out of that private open space and you've got to go down five stairs or ten stairs down into that space, there are rules about that as well because it's got to be easily accessible. Um and, and that is, again, open to interpretation with certain councils. And those are things that we have to work through. So if you've got first, we know we can fit a house in the back and then we're trying to work on the existing house. Sometimes it doesn't work as well as you think. And that's why get, getting designers in to, in to go through and do a sketch, an assessment of the site, to see if, is this going to work easily or you're going to have to modify the existing house. When we look at units in the back, the first thing that we check is the overall size of the title, the lot. So in Tasmanian planning scheme, you need 325 square metres per dwelling, regardless of size. Once, say, if your block is 800 square metres, that gives you two 400 square metre allocations. So then the 325 works in that. Mm-hmm. So again, you might have a 1,000 square metres, just squeezes in. You could get three. You can get three. Yeah. But you might say you get three, but what's the shape of the block? Yeah, that's very true. And the, I guess the orientation of the... Orientation, yeah. 100%. Where's yeah. the driveway located? Where's, you know, even if there's no house and you, you're doing a design, where's north? What's the neighbouring property? Is there? Are they overshadowing? You know, are they going to cut the sunlight to any private open space? The shape of the block, this is the big one that catches a lot of people off. Even if it's a perfect rectangle, if it's not wide enough, it doesn't actually work very well. Or you might have trapezoidal or a bit, you know, tapers, boundaries taper in their odd shape. When we get that, the more extreme shapes, we can only fit two on there comfortably. Because we don't design the house to be on weird angles uh, for economic reasons. Mm-hmm. Most people do these developments. It could be for elderly family that's fine that's rare but generally it's for the purpose of improving your investment so you're doing multiple houses getting multiple you know rental returns or selling it's purely about an investment and they're pretty popular i guess at the moment too i guess with affordability of rentals certainly yeah um yeah a lot of people that's all they can afford at the moment oh very true very true but it's still not cheap 
Definitely you know, not. On, it's on, gone on up sets. a lot. But also you've got to remember when someone does a unit, let's say a developer or mums and dads, whoever it may be, it's not just putting a house in the backyard. You've got to have all the driveways done to meet code requirements, council requirements, stormwater runoff. But you have to put all the fences in, all the landscaping, uh, pathways, bin locations, letterboxes, upgrade your water. So the site is complete. It's done. It's dusted. So unlike when you buy a brand, you know, you may have a house built, it doesn't necessarily include a driveway. It doesn't necessarily include the landscaping or the fencing. You know, you have that option of just, here's a house on a bare piece of dirt. With units, you can't do that. It has to be complete to get your final. Um, what's interesting... A lot of people strata title them, so their own the the units are their own titles within the title. That's another way the council comes in and doubles checks that everything is complete. And the other trick is, if it's been planning approved with all your parking, shrubs, bins, you got storage sheds outside, you've got to have a minimal amount of lockable storage. If it's not done as per the plan, the council will make you go for an amendment. Uh, through the planning process, potentially. Wow. Yeah, you, that's why the planning documents have to be followed correctly through to the building documents. You don't alter it. Wow, that's um, they nail you for that. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had a number of cases, oh, I had a better idea with, you know, put the parking over here and all that, but they didn't check with it, meet the compliance and a few other things, and I've had to have the unfortunate situation I've had to work with the builder to say, well, or the developer... In some cases where it says, well, you've made that change, we've now got to prove that it complies. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And then it's a lengthy process. And if they're doing it for an investment, let's say, and they're relying on to get a sale and they've got holding costs, this could delay the project for as long as the build. Wow. Yeah. it's. I've seen it. That's why you stick to the plan or if you want to change the plan, you go through the due process. But it, surely that's no different to just your standard house like you can't just go moving the driveway you'd be surprised what people do <laughs> and get away with because there isn't a checkpoint sometimes there isn't a hold point by the council so we've seen quite reasonable changes on single dwellings and people have been hasn't been made accountable of that so they've been able to make that change and that's a, you know it's when it comes to the house if you make major changes the building surveyor or certifier will pick that up and say look I need updated drawings because You've moved this wall, you've made the bathroom bigger, you've done something to the kitchen, you've added a window. If you, if you change the window in a brand new house during the build, you've got to get a new thermal performance assessment. Wow, yeah. a bit of a domino effect, isn't it? It very much is. And I, I get it for some people, they want to put a bigger window and all that. That's fine, they change their mind on site. But be prepared to wear the costs. It's not just changing a window, it's structurally you've got to change the lintel, may affect the bracing, the energy efficiency calculations have to be done again by the thermal assessor. And that's all more cost as well. Very much so. Very easy to drop a couple of thousand bucks on that. So this is no different with units. You, you stick to the plan or you go through the process of getting an amendment. When we look also at putting a unit in the, the back, we also look at setbacks off boundaries as well to get the maximum usage of the land. So generally we try and push them up to a metre to a metre and a half off what you call the dead side of the site, if use of a better word, because mm -hmm. you want to get the cars in comfortably. It's just nice and easy to use, so you may have a garage or a carport. You've got to be able to turn on site 
and drive out forward. And that's with most municipal planning schemes. They need to drive in, find a turning spot and go out frontward. Not allowed to back out. Yeah, okay. But there is an exception. There's always an exception. Yeah. And this is one of the ones I like, doing units and putting them on corner blocks because they look like individual houses on a corner block. So you put two units, might be an 800 square metre block or 750, something like that, and you put two units on there and you can drive straight in and out like a normal house. Mm -hmm. The beauty of those as well is that you have a common fence or strata boundary. There's no common ground so they're not sharing land. They don't have to have a sinking fund within their strata agreements. It's a very clean-cut way of doing it. So not sharing driveways, the, their own space. Does that mean they wouldn't have to pay body corporate either? Yeah, yeah you, you'd still have a body corporate as such, but it's very minimal, mm-hmm. really minimal, I reckon. So they're, they're great developments, uh, but we're not seeing many blocks that size on corners at the moment. Oh, they're all getting smaller. They're getting smaller, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, not exactly bang for your buck. It's a dollar per square metres going up. So let's talk about services to units. Yes. Are they shared? Are they done separately? How does that work? So when you do a strata, they are shared. So let's start with your water. So you've got a normal water line in for a domestic house. That's fine. It gets upgraded, so you go to a larger pipe because you're servicing two houses, obviously. So you need make an application here in Tasmania. Tas Water is the water authority, water and sewer authority, and they will upgrade your line. You make an application and then gives the feed in and then you put two water metres on there, one for each site. It's the same when you get power, you end up putting a turret or if it's a bigger development, you have a, a, a master switchboard at the front of the site somewhere. And then it branches off to the individual uh, subboards in each unit, or in the cases of the houses, it will go to feed the water in. Stormwater generally for up to three houses, three or four houses, subject to the area. A hundred mil water connect, uh, stormwater connection will be sufficient to handle the stormwater. Be aware in certain municipalities their stormwater capacity isn't great, so they may ask for a thing called a uh, stormwater detention. What that is essentially, it there is a tank or multiple tanks on site or oversized stormwater pipes and they all feed into one pit which is near the connection and they reduce the size of the outlet into the stormwater system. So if you've got a normal 100mm connection, they may reduce it down to a 40mm connection and then all the water backs up into the tanks. Ah, that makes sense. Into that storage facility. And the idea behind that is it doesn't overload the stormwater system. It was probably installed 50, 60, 80 years ago and it wasn't built to design the loads that it, of all these new houses feeding into it. So they restrict the flow and then as the main rush of stormwater goes through, this will then later uh, after, after the, storm, the storm event. A fair bit of cost in that. You need a civil engineer to design that and calculate it. Um, It's becoming more and more common as we go further out uh, with new subdivisions. Um, It's it's generally only with multi-residential, not with new single houses. 
we usually put these as water tanks on the side of the house. They could be tanks underneath the driveway. They could be really big pipes underneath the driveway. So I've also seen actual driveways done where there's a big pit and the driveway fills up full of water in a storm and then it lets then it slowly releases. Wow. So it's an above yeah, it's like an above ground detention basin. And then then flows the water away from yeah. the house. Yeah, it keeps it away from the house. But uh, those things have to be considered. It adds a fair bit of cost to a development and you generally don't know that until you make an application to the council. And the, the, like I said, it's becoming more and more common. Uh, sewer connections, uh, again, shared. And 100 mil pipe handles up a lot of houses. It's surprising how many we can put onto one sewer connection. Once you get past a certain size, and again, we leave that to the civil engineers to decide, uh, to work out those calculations and work with uh, the TAS Water, with Sewer and Water Authority, to work out what size connection they need. So those are a few things with the units. It's a little bit different. Uh, to a normal developer, but as you can imagine, more houses, bigger bigger infrastructure. Oh, definitely. Yeah, same with the NBN. Bringing NBN in has to be designed by an outside consultant uh, to make sure that's covered. So th- there's a lot to consider with units. Um, the other side of it too, a lot of people uh, don't like units being built next to them. That's very true. So how does that work then with when you say you're looking for a block of land to build you know, multi-residential up to three units. If you can find one. If you can find one. How does that work with what the regulations are? Are there restrictions on where you can build units in certain areas or...? I'm not aware of any in Tasmania, but that might be under covenants, under the titles. When a subdivision was initially put forward, we've seen it on covenants saying, no, units not allowed on this. That doesn't necessarily match the... planning scheme within the council so there's a conflict there and that becomes down to a legal argument so th- those things have to be considered when you're l- purchasing a piece of land uh, regardless of the units or a single house you, you need to know what's on your title and what you are buying and that that's a whole nother podcast by itself oh yes because it's um, a can of worms it, well it is but it's also buyer beware and i don't like that law because people aren't educated what's what you're buying on a title and we've got a great example that we'd love to share uh, that came up yesterday on a, on a project uh, it, share that in the future where the, the client's a little bit snookered so you know the planning scheme and the covenants are contradictory well that doesn't help anybody really no, does it it's confusing and frustrating but they weren't aware of it and that's the key but they'll make another whole another podcast just on that we'll get some other experts in as well definitely on that uh, but with units, yeah, you've got to look at all these things. Um, you've also got to consider your neighbours. A lot of people don't like units next to them. I am personally haven't done so many. If they're good quality units, you know, you're going to have good quality tenants or good quality people that want to buy a house. Everyone had these bad ideas of bad old days with people in there and people that only bad people lived in units. That's far from the case now. At the price of where units are, it's very rare you're going to get someone dodgy in there. Yeah, and I guess you've also got the other end of the scale too. So you've got sort of your retirees looking to downsize as well. Certainly. And we've done that with a couple of developers where we've designed actual three-bedroom houses as retiree houses with Liverpool Housing Australia uh, principles through the house. So bigger bathrooms, they can put rails on it, the doors are bigger, the uh, ramps or 
you know, the concrete leading into the doors, in and out sliding doors, it just heaps easier, less trip hazards, good space in the laundry. There's a lot of principles in there that we put in these units. And these were targeted retirees. We even had space for their caravan. Wow. Living the dream. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. Because retirees may, may have a caravan or a boat or or a van, uh, some kind of van, and if we can fit it on site, even better. So that, that's a quite a unique type of unit development. That'll be you in the future, Frank. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you with your big caravan. Oh, yes. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Become a grey nomad. Well, not far off anyway. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, they're, they're a great project. Don't, they are a lot harder than building a normal house. And that's just the fact of them. They are harder. And the things that have to be considered during the build, has to, the whole site has to be planned really, really well. Um, and if you've got a house in front, you, you know, you've also got to consider how much work I've got to do to the existing house to make that work as well. Um, I've had one just recently. And we had to upgrade the whole power feed. Oh, wow. We weren't expecting it, that, but it ended up being... Uh, it'll be a better outcome, but it was an extra $3,500 that wasn't expected. But the site looks a lot neater. Um, we don't have overhead power lines. It, it just all look, works better. Um, and there, there are a few hidden costs. So as a developer, if you're doing it purely as a developer, those are the costs you need to know because they eat at your uh, end profit or your return if you choose to rent it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Units are a fact of life all over the country in in filling this space. As our population grows, we need to fill these spaces in and they need to be done well uh, and with a lot of thought. Uh, One thing in Tasmania that hasn't taken off compared to the mainland is co-joined. So co-joined units aren't as popular here uh, as they are on the mainland. And and, uh, I know the mainland purely comes down to the size of the lots, as I understand it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get... You don't have to have that 1,800 millimetre separation between walls. They're jammed up against each other with a common boundary slash firewall. Mm-hmm. In between, yep. Where in Tassie, that's not popular. Although in saying that, I grew up in a co-joined unit. Well, there you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a mindset, I think, too. It, it'll change over time. I think we're definitely going to see more and more units crop up. As yeah. you know, as time goes on, because you know the need for land and and the price of land. That's that's it. It keeps going up. Certainly, and the cost of the builds go up. And, and also be aware that the cost of a building of a unit, let's just say a two bedroom unit, and that's the most common type we do: two bedroom, single bath, garage, open plan living, hundred and ten to one hundred and twenty square meters. Very common. Very simple. The dollars per square metre is higher than a normal house. Really? Yeah. Why? Well, you've still got the same kitchen. Your most expensive areas are your kitchen, your bathroom, wet areas, right? Mm-hmm. Smaller footprint, you still have those. You know, you still have that kitchen, you still have that bathroom. Whereas you could do a 180 square metre home, and sometimes it has two bathrooms, but because it's a smaller footprint, the actual dollars are actually a little bit more because of those high cost areas, because they don't change. Yeah, that's true. Wow. I didn't realise that. But that's why doing your budgets, you can work with certain builders, you know, if, if your dream is to do developments, is working with the builders to work on all these costs. Because it's not just the cost of the build. Like I said before, you've got to put all the driveways in the footpaths, 
in Tassie, we have to put lockable storage in. It's usually about six cubic metres, so you put a two-by-two-by-two carbon shed. And you want to do a nice landscape, put a grass, plants, clotheslines, all that type of stuff. And um, it's non-negotiable. It's got to be done. So you're spending a lot of money on landscaping and driveways. And it's sort of, it's all in one go, I guess, too. Like a lot of people that are, you know, building just their own home, sometimes they put off all of those things. Yeah, budget constraints, 100%. I I did it myself when I built my first home. I didn't have a driveway for two and a half years. I saved up for it. You know, and there was other compromises I made because I wanted the house and that's what I got into. And then slowly but surely we got the rest of it. Didn't have curtains for two years as well. You know, it's just what we could afford. You know, you stick within your budgets. Units, you don't have that luxury. No, definitely not. Yeah. So what are the, what are the take-homes? If you're looking at doing units, get a designer in ASAP to assess the site for you. For the sake of doing even a feasibility study, do some sketches. What can I fit on here? How can I make it work? Will this work easily? If it doesn't work easily, it's going to be it's hard from the start. It's going to cost more. The steepness of the block has a big bearing on it too, because then you're going to put more retaining walls in. Doesn't mean you necessarily get a greater rent. That's true, but it's a ne- it's a necessity, isn't it? If you've got a steeper block, yeah, yeah. and that's why you try and go more f- level blocks if you can. But you also you don't have that luxury. It depends where you live, you know. You could you know, live in a valley like Launceston or Hobart and that's certainly more challenging. But that initial feasibility study to, to do a site analysis of the site, check the planning scheme, look at overlays, planning overlays, and uh, that may restrict. You could be in a thing called an attenuation area. You could be near sewage ponds or uh, industrial sites or as I had one case near a crematorium, and wow. it, and they wanted reports to say, yep, it's not going to affect this block for what you want to do. So there's a lot to research, and that goes for any build from any matter, is, is getting a designer and do a site analysis. And we can offer that here. Yep. We, we love doing it from the perspective we like to educate the customer so they know what they're walking into and what the challenges are. You know, you don't want to go all the way through and found this insurmountable challenge or it adds a ridiculous amount of money to it. That's, it's trying to assess everything as early as possible. You're not going to pick up everything sometimes because of the planners in planning departments and the infrastructure departments within councils, but you can pick up most of it. So there's a lot of considerations if you're looking to build one or multiple units. Oh, 100%. Yes. So a good designer will be able to help you through that process. Even better if you've got an experienced builders that's done units and you work together. I keep banging on about working with builders. If you, They make a great team. Designer and builder working together, best, best way forward every time. We might leave it there. Thanks for listening, everyone. That was Units. Until next time. Listening to the Building Design Prime Time Podcast.